Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Are you tired of being tracked online? There's a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more, all for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Bradfo Show. That's my open? That's what they used to call me, Swivel Hit Bradford. That's my open. I'm okay. waiting for you to so justify what? your stupid opinion. Bradfo Show. That's delicious. All right, Bradfo Show, uh, one week from today as we're taping this, as I'm taping this intro, uh, would be opening day. One week ago, I was getting on a plane after going through one of the most surreal broadcasts you're ever going to find, which is the last spring training game of the Grapefruit League season, where Will Fleming and I basically ended up talking 75% about everything but was going on in the field. It was bizarre. But, you know, obviously the last week has been bizarre. Uh, last few days, we have been constructing the Bradfoe Show studios down in the uh, basement of the Bradfoe Show house. So that's very exciting heading into next week. But I did want to sort, sort of reflect, like you said, now that we're a week out from really where everything turned for me and a week away from what was supposed to be spring training, we'll sort of reflect on where we're at. And, and I thought a good way to do it was to talk to Will Fleming himself, part of the voice of the Boston Red Sox, whenever the Boston Red Sox become the baseball-playing Boston Red Sox. And Will Fleming, uh, I talked to him on Monday, Monday or Tuesday. Just looking back at that day, and in case people forget, it was really like the day, the Wednesday night was the night where you had Tom Hanks, you had Rudy Gobert, you had the NBA league shutting down. You had travel ban from Trump. You had a bunch of stuff why the game was going on in about you know half hour, hour period. But certainly how I viewed the coronavirus heading into that game um, was a whole lot different than how I viewed the coronavirus in that situation coming out. And, and since then, I don't think anybody could imagine a week later as we sit here, it would be like, like it is. And as I wrote in the column today, is you know we went from wondering if they're going to play in the Rogers Center, or really not even wondering if they're going to play in the Rogers Center for the opener, um, because I think most people really thought it was going it's going to be a game with nobody in the crowd, 
back a week ago, I think that was a prevailing thought. They are going to play opening day, but there's going to be no one in the crowd. Now, even if you want to go up to the Rogers Center to stare at an empty uh, stadium, empty ballpark, you couldn't legally do it. You couldn't legally drive up there and cross the border. And that's one of the many, many insane things to think about. But uh, again, I think it's uh, sort of a worthy exercise to talk to Will, Dr. Will Fleming, about that day, about that broadcast, about how things have changed since then. Uh, Will's always good to have on the podcast. And and going forward, we're going to try to be cranking some of these out um, again, from the newly refurbished Bradford Show Studios. Very, very exciting. Neon lights, everything, Facebook Live, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, here's Will Fleming. One of the finest play-by-play men in the history of play-by-play, Will Fleming, join us, joins me, joins me on the Bradford Show. Yes, this is my Bradford Show podcast. And Will, um, the, the theme of this is what a difference a week makes. In our case, what a difference, I guess, five days make at the time we're taping this. Did you ever, have you done the exercise that I have done I, seemingly every single day and go back to, I go back to really the Monday. I go back to Monday when we were doing, Joe and I were doing a game in um, uh, the Braves place and the news came down that clubhouses were closed. And I'm like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's, you know, and I go back, a, that was a week from when I'm taping this right now. And I, number one, how stupid I was. Number two, how stupid they were for just doing that. And number three, holy mackerel, when we did the broadcast two days later, how things had changed. It was, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, I'm with you, Rob. Good to be with you. I hope you uh, have your your bunker with all your toilet paper and boom sauce prepared. Yeah, I mean, that's all. I, the that. good the good news is that that's all I have is just toilet paper and boom <laughs> sauce. Well, one leads to the other. So you're in good shape. <laughs> there I mean, you go. I, I think that it's amazing when I look back at our broadcast. That was the craziest three hours that I will ever have on air. And in a way, it's a microcosm of what has followed, and I'm afraid and I fear what is going to continue to happen. And and to your point, five-minute increments change the entire outlook on the world. And I think I just watched the president's most recent press conference in which two days ago we talked about not closing schools and not practicing extreme bans on social gatherings and now as we record this by the time it posts the, these guidelines will be outdated you know not, no gatherings of more than 10 people and and so to me rob the most dramatic thing about this is that we have gone from to your point five six seven days ago talking about well maybe we will wait a couple weeks, see how this blows over. Maybe we'll play the games in empty stadiums. And I legitimately believed that when we were on the air. To now, I think it is exceedingly likely that the whole season is in jeopardy. And more importantly, that that really doesn't matter. I mean, I think that's the crazy thing about it. In its own way, of course, it matters now more than ever. And I think people are beginning to appreciate that, how important it is to the fabric of our lives and our interconnectivity. And and to that point, I think if there's 
any way that baseball and basketball and hockey can do something in, say, a couple of months, even in empty arenas and stadiums and ballparks, to entertain people who may still be separated from their communities and quarantined, I think that should be top of mind. But in the immediate future, the most important thing to me, so obviously, is that people try as best they can in the near term to stop this thing, or you and I, in a week from now, are going to be having an entirely different conversation. Yeah, and you mentioned that on the broadcast, of the many things you mentioned, and, and I posted, I actually, I don't know if it's against the rules, but I don't care, I posted the entire broadcast online um, so people can let go listen to it. And you know, one of the things you mentioned, and I, I firmly agree with you at the time, was you know, that it was important to have something. And I think that when we were doing the broadcast, we all thought the next step was going to be playing, with, but with nobody in the stadiums. But it was, but we could see the value of having something, and and that's sort of as we sit here right now, the debate about NFL free agency is going on, and and people saying, well, how could this happen? Because these guys are getting paid millions of dollars, and other people are suffering. That, that there's no doubt about that. But here's the thing, and maybe I'm wrong, but. I look at it as they're going to make their millions of dollars anyway, and people need something. I, that's, that's all. If we did not have NFL free agency right now, people would be tethered to every little coronavirus bit of news. And I don't think that's a healthy thing. And I'm sort of getting off track of really what I want to talk about, but you brought it up, and it's like I said, it's one of the things that we brought up in that broadcast. I think we could sense it coming, Rob, although I, this is – I think everyone in this world that we now live in, other than perhaps those who lived through World War II and went and fought in it and stayed home while their husbands and sons and fathers went uh, overseas to fight that war, I literally think this is the closest parallel to it in that it is all-consuming and it's frankly all that matters right now. And to your point, look, we need something. And we're going to need something eventually, and that's the role that sports has played in times of crisis. But of course, the difference now is that we can't get together socially. It, it's, this is not distraction from uh, other things in our control. Uh, and so I'm with you completely. I'm glad we're talking free agency as, as sort of uh, bizarre as that seems. If everyone just sits at home, and I, I don't know about you, Rob, but I... We went to the grocery store this morning. We've been as often as we can to sort of stockpile food. I, I have a shortness of breath lately. Um, I When we are approaching groups of other people, I feel totally different emotions about what it means to be in contact with people. And you feel terrible about wondering whether people are infected or not. The point is to get out of these feelings of stress and anxiety – at some point in the near future, you would hope that we can, as a world of sports, do what we've always done, which is provide an outlet for people and something in the evenings uh, to to relieve all this stress. And, and my God, Rob, think about this. We, we, a week ago, were talking about how awkward it would be to do a ball game in an empty ballpark. Yeah. Can you imagine how glorious that would be right now? I mean, to me, nothing in the world sounds better than bringing Red Sox baseball to all of our fans in an empty ballpark. That would be spectacular. No, I'm telling you, Will, go back and listen. And like I said, it's posted right now on WI.com. And I'll drop 
bits and pieces on this podcast, but go back and listen to the broadcast. It's just over three hours long. And yeah, you know, 75% of it, I would, I would think you would agree. We probably talked about the coronavirus and what's going on. And even at the beginning, because it, it was an evolving uh, scenario as that. There was g- nothing else to right, do. Right, you right, right. Both just kind of fell into that. <laughs> but- it felt insane to talk about it. Yes, we talked about Eduardo Rodriguez striking out <laughs> ten, but it felt insane in that moment as the world literally changed around us to do anything but other than what we did. If you and, and if you when you listen to it, when you go back and listen to it, the parts where we did talk about baseball now. It just seems, I guess, it's is somewhat refreshing, but it might as well have been a game back in the 1920s. I have no, it was, it 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 meant not, it means nothing to us now. We're we're breaking down, you know, things in spring training that mean absolutely nothing, and that's unfortunate for a lot of these guys who, you know, I did in the column today, basically people who left positive last impressions. Well, good. We'll see you in three months. And hopefully, you know, Ryan Weber gets another crack at, at leaving a positive first impression. But I, I do I do want to go back to this, Will, is that, you know, we talked about this at the beginning of that broadcast about how things were so inconsistent. It had been a couple of days where there was no clubhouse access. I told you, I said, I want to watch how people were acting, how people were treating this. I talked to Carlos Fabus early that day, the third base coach, and he's talking about how hard it was not to touch his hit face. And, and he does the elbow bump with exchanging the cards with the umpires. But the next, the next turn, you have Michael Chavis, who's scoring a run, going in and high-fiving 30 guys. And that's not saying, Michael Chavis, how dare you. That just was the mindset. These guys were told a few days earlier, this is what you should not be doing, but it's baseball, and I think they were prioritizing the everyday routines of baseball over this thing which they only had a vague recollection of. I think at that point, Rob, if you talk to the Red Sox players, they would have told you, and I think this was probably the messaging coming from the world at large, that we're in this little bubble. We're going to keep the world out. The media are not going to come in our clubhouse and we're going to isolate ourselves. And so within our little group, who cares if Michael Chavis high fives Mitch Moreland? We're not out in the world. Of course, Michael Chavis is signing autographs and shaking hands with fans. I just don't think at that exact moment, Rob, people firmly understood the gravity. of. Yeah, this hey, let me interrupt you. Let me interrupt you real quick. Ron Renicky, the manager of the team was one of the guys going out and signing autographs before that game as well. Well, that just tells you how quickly things have changed. And I have to tell you, as we record this today on a Monday afternoon, still I worry that people are not taking it seriously enough. And and I'm still down in Florida because I don't want to fly. Uh, We're going to ride this thing out for a little while down here as long as that makes sense. Um, I don't think people to this moment are taking it seriously enough. And uh, I'm not going to get too deep into why that might be, but I think there are many people out there who speak to large audiences who are saying incredibly irresponsible and dangerous things. And I'm glad that the people on our air at WEEI are not doing that. And I think that the more people understand that in the short term, if we take these extreme actions, we're all going to be better off. And it will be an inconvenience, but that is the only way to curtail this thing and get ahead of it. And so at that point when we were on the air, 
I didn't understand it. People didn't understand it. Like, I can tell you, Rob, if I knew then what I knew now, I would have not shown up to that broadcast. Oh, no yeah. Way. There's no way. I would have called our boss, and you would have too, and we would have all had a discussion and said, this is wildly irresponsible to show up to this ballpark where there are what were there 8,000 people in the stands and you know anyone who listens to the game that was one of the recurring themes is we're going to look back at this in 24 hours it turned out we looked back in 24 minutes and said what are we doing yeah and to your point you know you talk about going to extremes and I totally agree with you this is I, I forget where I saw a clip of someone in England saying uh, an expert on this and said what you have to do is that you have to be fast and you don't have to you shouldn't wait to be worry about being right. You have to be fast. You have to overreact. And and what baseball did initially and I'll lump myself in with baseball. Like blame, plenty of blame goes around. But when they did the whole thing the media isn't allowed in the clubhouse, that was putting, you know, a band-aid on a broken leg. And it, it just was. And, yep. and and I'm like, well, why are you doing this? You know, wh- if you're going to do that, wh- why are you doing this? What's it make a difference? It was the right idea to do something, but to think about that that was one week ago from when we're talking right now that that was their answer. And that is was absolutely so nothing. Nothing. Yeah, I, th- I think that a lot of folks get the benefit of the doubt, though, Rob. I, I, to oh, me, yeah, I'm not, bl- I'm not, uh, I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming. Baseball did something, right? That base, my, my, my overall point, I'm not blaming it because that's not going to do anybody any good. I'm just struck, and again, myself included, because I'm like, how dare you not let me in the clubhouse? How dare you make me stand and say stand six feet away from somebody? Uh, you know, all of us, all of us were sort of like easing into this when we should have dove head first. Yeah, I think that's right. But I think that, uh, first of all, we're on a 75-year run as a society of – total prosperity and glory and if you think about that that almost no one living right now again other than the people who you know lived through world war ii and were directly impacted by that almost no one walking the face of the earth right now who's under 90 years old can sort of wrap their heads around what we are now facing this is a totally new situation and i i firmly believe that that is still reflected in the way a lot of people are behaving there is a sense of invincibility that is going on and that's why you see bars throughout a lot of these different cities and restaurants packed that's why you see some elected officials posting social media messages from restaurants and bars saying come on out let's support our local businesses when nothing in the world is less responsible than that so i just think that when you combine the fact that people cannot wrap their heads around the fact that they're not invincible that the prosperity can't go on forever and that this thing is totally different than anything we've confronted in our lives it can be really hard to wrap your head around that and frankly as we sit here today i'm not sure any of us totally have and i think i'm sorry to say this i'm almost sure that a day from now two days from now and a week from now it will be much worse than it is right now and so i i I just hope that uh you know people right now as soon as they can uh can can take the actions they can to to shorten this thing as best we can well let's go back to the broadcast that we did so like you said we we come into that and i'm saying i'm going to watch some people and 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 we're talking listen you're really excited kevin kiermeyer's in oh my goodness listen you brought it up it was that that was the (laughs) you're you're the big winner because after all the stuff (laughs) when tom hanks then tom hanks news came out 
out. No one forgot. Everyone forgot about your saying Kevin Kiermeyer was in the game when I don't even know where Kevin Kiermeyer was. He could have been quarantined, so all, all I know. But it's it's one of these things where we started that broadcast and we had an idea like this was a topic, right? I mean, this is why I think you so so eloquently at the top of the broadcast said, you know, we're going to talk about this because this is what people are talking about. Yet at the same time, we're sitting in that ballpark with people shoulder to shoulder with, you know, a demographic which was the the most at risk um, with beer vendors. And I can't, I'm sorry, I can't get you past. Can't shake the image. I you can't cannot. shake that image. You saw, you were right there with me. You saw the guy. I think it was insane. That is, it's, it legitimately felt like, you know, Morgan Freeman in a hazmat suit was about to come down the aisles because that is like the first 10 minutes of a movie about an outbreak. This is how it happens. And by the way, I know that you flew home the next morning and I know you feel the way that I do about it. You don't look at the world in the same way anymore. You're at restaurants thinking about all the times people touch things that other people touch. And that beer vendor was the exact same thing. He's just walking up and down. That guy came in contact with 5,000 people that night. Yeah. Yeah. And that the people also came in contact with that guy's hand, uncorking their, (laughs) uncorking their bottles. It was, it was, and I feel like, listen, whatever the uh, the guy wasn't alone, but it's hard to look at these people. When we're, we're talking about the beginning of that broadcast and talking about it, but as we're talking about it, like I said, you have that guy, you have everybody in the stands, but it, and we're, we sort of half joking, uh, we half joke about it, but it's true. We are going to remember that broadcast. We are going to remember that day, and we should, because there's going to be a lot of tipping points here. There's going to be a lot of moments in, in where, where things take it to the next level. But I can tell you for sure that because of the events that happened, why we were on the air that day, a lot of people's mindset changed. Not only mine, not only mine in terms of wiping down the seat on the flight I had a few hours later, but a lot of people because it was the perfect storm of celebrities. Uh, it was a perfect storm of leagues. It was everything within that three-hour, really one-hour period. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, I think really, if you think about it, Rob, it was more like 30 minutes where things got really weird, where our producer, Ben Charleston, said, hey, you guys should be aware that the game in Oklahoma City has been delayed and that there's talk that a player is sick. And so we mentioned that and say, well, here we go. This could be the very thing that all these leagues are starting to to worry about and that they fear so so profoundly then we find out the game has been postponed that rudy gobert is on his way to the hospital we hear that he has tested positive and literally what was it rob once the test is positive what do you think it was about 90 seconds Hmm. until the nba suspended its season they get credit i think for the speed with which they handled this thing and then tom hanks tests positive it was just such a whirlwind in such a confined, condensed period of time. Yeah, and, and conversely, you know, I think you had said on the broadcast, news came out that, that the, initially MLB was going to have a conference call on Friday. And we're right. sitting there saying, Friday? What are you talking about Friday? And, and really, you know, obviously that got bumped up a day as it should have been. But, you know, I think that, you know, MLB wasn't alone. And that you needed a league to do what the, the, the NBA did 
to open the door to all these other leagues. It was the same thing with the clubhouse access. It was the same thing, Will. Where, you know, Rob, what yeah. felt strange to me about that broadcast, and I'm happy that we did it the way we did it, and it's a big relief to me because oftentimes when when interacting with professional sports leagues and owners and franchises, uh, in the context we were working, which is to do the play-by-play of a game, that, that's not sports talk radio. And oftentimes you worry that first guessing and, and predicting what should be done will be sort of frowned upon, right? Well, I'm happy that we did it that way, and I'm also quite pleased that what seemed so obvious to us on the air, literally everything we said as that game went on has happened. Yeah. Because the the call gets bumped up. You can't start the season. You can't have fans in stadiums. You on and on and on down the line. Uh, it, it just felt I've never experienced anything like it, and it was extra surreal. Obviously, talking about it live on the radio. But that was the overriding emotion as all this stuff came out was, what are we, this cannot possibly continue. And in fact, at some point during the game, didn't you think, shouldn't we just get everybody out of this ballpark? It felt that way. You know, we we talked at the end of the game. Do you think that the players, uh, you know, bus one had already left, but the players who were left with the Red Sox in their dugout, because that dugout at Port, in Port Charlotte isn't connected to anything, you have to walk all the way across the field. Did they ab- absolutely know? I'm not convinced they knew, but you know, you're right. By the time that you got into the seventh and eighth and ninth innings of that game, somebody should have said something. And and but the thing was is that they had the game scheduled for the next day. It took them a long time. They were never going to stop that game because you know I still think that there was a hesitancy to go all in in terms of pulling uh, pulling the, the strings on all of this stuff. And yeah, well, there's there's a lot of huge decisions to be made, yeah. and I think if you're going to, it is it is. By the way, I do want to say that that even though everyone acted the right way, and that that we obviously needed to suspend the season, given all that we know now, they do. The owners and the commissioner have an enormous responsibility to do everything they can to try to keep the ship pointed north, right? And so I I don't think it's irresponsible at that moment to say, I don't think they could have anticipated how quickly the world changed beneath them, right? So before that game, was it unseemly a little bit that all those fans were there? It was, but but not to the degree that it was once you have Gobert testing positive, the NBA suspending its season. I do think that it was ludicrous the following day for the 1 o'clock games to start. I mean, I think that the Red Sox got a huge break that they were scheduled to have an off day and so that we didn't have, you know, however many thousands of people at JetBlue Park. I mean, that day as the owners were meeting, whatever the 1230 conference call was, what was dumber than having fans pour into those ballparks? It was inevitable, was it not, that they were going to suspend spring training and, and that they could not continue to have these public gatherings and here we are the next day having, what was it, eight or nine games start. Uh, that, that to me was ludicrous. So I think that that's one of the biggest lessons, and I go back to what that guy I heard today say, which is I think our, everyone's instinct when you're running a franchise, when you're running a league, whether you're running a team, whatever it is, everyone's instinct is let's make sure we get this right. Let's make sure that we get yep. this right. In this case, that's not the right way to do it. It's not. It's it's go speed is better than perfect. Absolutely, right? absolutely, and and you know I go back to the the days leading up to the even that day. You know we had access with the players 
earlier that day, and you know they had they would bring out the players, a couple of the players, and we would talk to them. But there was supposed to be a six six foot rule, and you could tell it was you know it was the players were you know they weren't worried about it. They just flat out were not worried about it, and um and I think that that's just sort of you know when they get to Port Charlotte, it was the same thing we saw. You know, like I mentioned that I don't mean to keep picking on Michael Chavis, but you know I, I'm sure he wouldn't be high fiving everybody right now. But you know you have the you know Lacroix going to the dugout and doing the leading with his elbow, but it was almost like a comical thing. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, you still had high fives. You still had the manager giving autographs. You still had other other people giving autographs. It was, oh yeah, we're supposed to do this, but really, when it comes down to it, and someone goes by me, I'm gonna not hesitate at all to give a high five. That's just the mindset it was before we get to Port Charlotte, and the mindset it wasn't when we left Port Charlotte. Yeah, I think that's right. I think by the time they got back to the visiting clubhouse, well, you and I saw Ron and the coaching staff and the players who remained. Uh, they were laughing on the way off the field, and why not? They just finished the spring game. It's a great mood around these clubs after those games, and a long day comes to a close. So I think when you and I both watched them smiling, uh, we really had no idea, none, what, what had just transpired in the world around them. And again, I, 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 we cannot blame anyone for not understanding the no. enormity of this thing. And, no, you can blame them now. And, you could blame them now if they didn't understand, but not back then. No, that day, you know, I think people realized this, this, the world was changing and that this thing was serious, but not to the degree that we now understand that it is. Yeah, so now you're, you're hunkered down in Florida. And when you, so we did that broadcast and then obviously everything got shut down. And unless you, uh, you did a practice broadcast of the Nathan Avaldi simulated game, I don't know, um, on Thursday. Exactly. Yeah, we, 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 what I did is I went to What If Sports and I put uh, Jaron Durand and, uh, who, uh, you know, Jet Bandy. Uh, and I simulated the, the Greenville stats for Jet Bandy and Avaldi's uh, Tampa Bay season to figure out uh, how many pitches it took to retire them. How how does Will Fleming stay sharp for the next two months? That's what I want to know. So when when you well, that remains an open question. Well, <laughs> in so many ways. Um, but I would ask this, and this is sort of now, you know, this is the next step, which is when when are they coming back? When are they coming back? And I got to be honest with you, from you know a reporter standpoint, it's really strange because you want to keep writing stuff. You have to keep writing stuff, really. It's part of the job. And, you know, I, I've texted a few people, and I feel awkward doing it. But, you know, it's just, it, it's just such a weird dynamic. And part of the, those stories are, when are you going to come back? And, like, today I threw in my column about something about the last time they had to go through something like this where they delayed the regular season and had spring training doubt back in April. It was 1995. And now that, that seems stupid. Because that was, you know, you were talking about, I think, uh, April 7th, spring training started. You played 11 games, and they kicked off the season April 25th. April 25th? Are you kidding me? Like, no, I think that's, I think that's inconceivable. No, no way. I, I, no I way. Think, I think even May 1st is optimistic, Rob. Um, I think June I 1st is optimistic. I, I think we're looking more, if things go well, at a Memorial Day or June 1st kind of situation would be my best guess as of today. But again, the, the prediction business right now is stupid because things could happen um, that drastically alter uh, 
where we look at this in two days. And, and uh, by the way, a lot of that does have to do with how people treat this thing and how they behave and whether or not they're willing to bear some inconvenience for the next little while. And I think if everyone does that to the best of their ability, and if we allow the medical system, based on what all the experts say, to kind of handle the capacity that is coming, uh, then if, if we ride this thing out together, uh, then I think you could look at a situation where, you know, what is it today, the, the 15th of, of March. So by the time we get to the end of the month, is it possible that, uh, you know, things look better and that they're more contained and we have, we have this thing sort of stunted? Well, then, yeah, I think you could possibly say, all right, May 1st, everybody's going to get back to their spring training sites and do some workouts and maybe we'll play some games on the last week of May. That, that is possible to me. Um, but at this point, it's anybody's guess. You know, I was, I was just on the phone with Joe Castig because he's, he's down here as well. And he and I live down here in Florida, uh, this spring, like a block and a half from each other. Um, and we're both doing the exact same thing, which is exercising as much caution as we can. Um, but I'm hopeful that in the next week or two, uh, as we're both down here or even longer than that, he and I are going to try to do something. I think we're going to try to sit down uh, each day or so. And uh, I don't know whether it's going to look it's history. So uh, obviously we'll sprinkle in news of the day and, and think about uh, how this is impacted. We, we, I think that we'd like to do that for our fans to, to stay engaged, to keep the conversation going. Um, and uh, I, I look forward to hopefully executing that with Joe, if, of course, and the big if around everything is if uh, that makes sense for everybody involved. Well, your, your phone breaking up a little bit because obviously Joe has uh, Joe has commandeered your phone, and he doesn't want when you're talking about your future plans. Um, but uh, but you know, obviously, I stay safe down there. You're in a good spot, um, you know, real good spot. Because I, as I uh, told many many people, the safest place in the world right now is the jacuzzi at Le- Legends. So. <laughs> Uh, I'll tell you what, isn't that crazy? I don't even know that, right? I mean, I, I don't know. It's like you think chlorinated water is safe, but now I'm starting to realize. That's isn't that the worst part about this, Rob? Not only the news that comes from all over the world about what might be coming, but I think at the moment, one of the real frustrating things is we don't know explicitly what's good, what's not, what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing, and so uh, we are at the moment just gonna. Let little Bailey run around as best he can, stay together as a family, and uh, do as little out in the outside world as possible, really. <laughs> well, my two my two most notable moments from the 2020 spring training will be obviously that broadcast and also sitting in the aforementioned jacuzzi with an 86-year-old guy who had no idea who Mike Trout was. So, <laughs> Come on. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's like I, we were talking about, we were talking about the um, – specialization of sports and this guy played sports in college and he said oh yeah you know like mike trout mike trout's a good example of this he played basketball in high school who's that mike trout he's, he's like the best player in baseball oh i'll, I'll, have, to, this, Rob, uh, I'll, have, to, I'll have to look him up he says that's crazy <laughs> yeah. you know me i am an optimist this this podcast would probably make people not believe that but uh strange times indeed i i will end on a, a more optimistic note and i do think that two things can happen. One is sports related. The other is not. I'll start with the, the world at large. Hopefully some good can come from all of this bad. And that is that we will appreciate uh, all that we do have around us and the connectivity that we enjoy and the freedom to go about our lives. And we'll stop 
maybe sweating as many small things uh, that we have in the past. So I'm hopeful that this can reconnect us with, you know, a feeling of, of how fortunate we all are. But, but from a sports perspective, I think that we do, and it, just in baseball particularly, I think we have an opportunity to be a part of a renaissance once this thing gets cleared up. And I think that you'll see players and managers, I know you'll see broadcasters uh, thrilled to be back in the fold and to be a part of you know, spreading the word of this amazing, beautiful game. And I think that uh, there's a chance that it could be uh, a real boon and lift for those of us in the business of baseball to reconnect with the fans that we are trying to find and rediscover. Uh, so I can see that. I can squint very hard and see myself Memorial Day weekend at a ballpark somewhere, happier than I've ever been to to sit next to Joe Castig and broadcast a baseball game and to know that the people on the receiving end of that broadcast have never needed it more. Uh, and so I really look forward to that day. Well, even before this, no one spread the word of this beautiful game better than you will, Fleming. So... <laughs> Uh, but th- thanks so much, and obviously say hello to all your your, your son was the star of camp, and um, and I look forward to seeing your whole family again. And uh, again, some you're in the right place right now, so enjoy your family and um, and hunker down. Uh, thanks, Rob. You too. Best to everybody up in New England. Can't wait to see you and talk to you again soon. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand-new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Forget front row seats. We're taking you into the action on the field and in the dugout with season two of Play Loud. Follow some of the league's biggest stars as we mic them up and get the cameras rolling during some of the hottest matchups of the season. Catch real-time reactions from Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor in the field and catch all the hilarious conversations between players off the field with unprecedented access. Watch episodes of Play Loud at YouTube.com slash MLB. Play Loud brings you baseball like you've never seen before. Never seen before.